My name is Duran Hendricks, and you are listening to Tribute First, a limited podcast series interviewing some of the top financial dominatrixes, or findoms, of Twitter to learn more about the community built around dominance and submission relationships and the exchange of money as the ultimate representation of power. Today, I am talking to Goddess Heather at Goddess Heather. That's at Goddess Heather, with the second E being a three uh, on Twitter. How are you doing today, Heather? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That's so funny. That is exactly how... um... Uh, when I'm at the Sephora counter and they're just like, hi, do you have a membership? And I'm like, yeah. So it's goddess Heather, but the E in Heather is a three. And they're like, okay. <laughs> do you think, do you think they've picked up on, on why the goddess is at the beginning of it or? Uh, look, those girls can do whatever they want to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You know? So yeah. <laughs> I would pay Sephora girls to humiliate me a little. All right. You know, fair enough. You know, get, get yourself a dom. That's a Sephora girl, I guess. Uh, to start off, how long have you been a FinDom and what brought you into the community? Um, so I've been a FinDom for four years. Uh, so a while now, kind of time just flies by. Uh, I started on Tumblr just before they yeah just before they had a real big crackdown on not suitable for work stuff RIP so I set it on a um just a space that was a lot more secluded and it was a bigger format like I all of my posts were very long uh, I'm a writer so I was able to really utilize that part of myself as well is just making these really really long posts And I think what brought me into it was, all right, so it's a bit of a story, actually. (laughs) So before I even actually knew what Findom was, um, I had a fleeting online relationship with this older man in the States. And I think originally I just by default, because I was quite young and very shy, um, just by default, I played into a quite a more submissive role, I believe. Um, and then slowly as the relationship proceeded, um, there was this like really weird erotic moment where the dynamic really switched and it really flipped over. And I think it was him realizing that he was he really liked me, that he was really into me. I think he loved me. Um, and he was able to like explore this thing. And for him, it was very cerebral as well as for me, because I had never been able to explore that as a 5'1 Asian woman. (laughs) Um, And so it was this really big thing and it ended shortly after that, which I'm still quite sad about. But, um, and then I think a couple of weeks after that, I discovered the Findom, the hashtag on Tumblr. And I was like, what is this? Um, And I read some posts and I followed up on some Dom's blogs. And I'm like, oh, this is nuts. This is just what I did. Like, this is actually, a thing that I can directly pinpoint as being something that was really magical and pleasurable and something like I try and find directly as opposed to just thinking that it was something that happened by accident, I think, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting because I think that's how a lot of subs come into the scene, at least subs who realize that they're submissive before you know venturing further into Findom is that they recognize that there is a part of their accidental relationships and dynamics with women that they find pleasurable or they find just to be right for them and then they try and find 
you know, try and find that exact moment where it tips over from being like a normative experience to being something that's really powerful and profound for them um, and chasing after that high over and over and over again, which I think is so special about Findom because it's specific. Like Findom is under this huge umbrella of femdom and, you know, you see a lot of like goddess worship and, and body worship and, and all of this, but Findom is so specific and depending on what kind of Findom you have and what she focuses on or what they focus on, you know, it only, it's, it's chasing after a really specific kind of high and seeing how many times you can push that button over and over again that I find really fascinating Mm -hmm. as well as because it involves money, which is such a, I think, taboo thing. And, and to me, I think it's so interesting because, um, I don't know, it's kind of a normative thing for me now, having done it for four years. Um, but it's still really shocking whenever I bring it up to not necessarily vanilla people, people who don't know about the scene or people don't, who don't know about my work. Um, and they're really shocked. <laughs> like how, like, why would, like, why would you just send money? Like money is this like scarce resource that we have to work so hard for. And it's like, no, but like, that's, that's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, you kind of, you kind of described that with uh, fin subs, especially they're kind of chasing that high of, the 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 kind of services the acts that they they want from the different dominate uh, dominatrixes sorry um so what is the kind of that you provide what is kind of the the high that subs can hope to achieve by coming to you right interesting question um well i think there's a lot of debate within the scene and just within the fetish in general about whether or not it's a fetish with a lot of compromise in general. And I think, especially after the last couple of years where Findom has really risen in popularity to the point where it's almost like mainstream. Like if you're someone who spends enough time online, you probably know about Findom. And it's it's so strange because when I'm on like my vanilla Instagram account or whatever, and I'll just like see a meme, that's about Findom. And I was like, that's so weird. It's like, well, how does On a Downward Spiral know about Findom? <laughs> um, you know, but it's it's there and people know about it and people are making fun of it because it's like, but it's, um, but yeah, just about compromises, you know, you now have newer doms who don't really know what their space is or are coming at it from previously wanting to be like a sugar baby or that kind of thing. And you know, there's a lot of argument about how, like, setting your prices too low, like, is that a good thing? Is that overall a bad thing for the rest of the fetish? To me, I don't think it's, like, morally a bad thing. I think a lot of, I think a lot of doms feel like it's bad for business because it makes their clients or their subs feel like their prices are too high. Whereas for me, I think it's, wrong because it contradicts with the philosophy of Findom and I think contradicting with that that um in that that core idea takes away from the pleasure pain or the the high that the fetish produces is like if it's like obviously not all subs can send like five hundred dollars right but if I instead go like, okay, don't send $500 because you can't afford that. Send me like $10. It's like, 
the inherent, the very feeling of sending or spending $10 versus like $500 or something ridiculous is inherently that, that feeling of like, oh God, what have I done? And that feeling of, of panic and relief and fear is inherent in the feeling of pleasure and euphoria that a fetish like this provides, you know, is, is that risk assessment. And um, yeah, and I think just for me, it's ironing out that philosophy and trying to, with each sub, assess, yeah, like take time to really assess what for them would be not enough and what for them would be too much. Cause it's a thin line. And I think just asking isn't, isn't good enough because I think just asking a new sub who I don't have rapport with, like how much would be the ideal amount for you to spend in the session or what is your budget? You know, there's, there's, there's experiences within the sub that might cause them to lie or underestimate or overestimate. The sub normally doesn't know what's best for them within the fetish. That's why they're coming to a dom. Like it's a, it's a kink dynamic. That means that the very idea is that they sort of depend on someone who makes decisions for them, either in the scene or out of the scene, right? Um, so I think it's, I don't know, it's a very neurotic high. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a very uh, specific neurotic sort of person. Um, I think it's interesting because I'm definitely not a brat, like a, a bratty dom all of the time. I'm sort of very, um, yeah, I'm sort of just a very long worded, yammering, you know, waxing poetic, <laughs> Um, psychotic philosophical doll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm definitely not for everyone. Um, so, so but, why do you think you take kind of this intellectual approach to findom? It's what's pleasurable for me. It's I I think if I were unable to, if I okay, I think if I were in a place where my roots in findom wasn't from an intellectualized point of view, I think I would have gotten very bored with it very soon. Um, and sometimes I do go through phases where I'm in a point in my life where I'm like too tired or I'm very preoccupied with stuff in my life. And so my interaction with my subs or with the scene is like, I do just want that high. And when I'm like that, yeah, I, you know, being a, being a bratty dom or whatever, like that's really fun and that's really pleasurable. But for me, it gets really bored and repetitive, repetitive, like a lot. Um, and it also, I think, prevents me from having the sorts of dynamics with subs that I find really enjoyable is it's very personal. It's almost like too personal. It's almost too touchy. Um, it's almost too cerebral for something that's happening only through a screen. Um, because I only do online stuff and, and the coldness of the screen and is something that I have incorporated into the very being of my sort of domination. Um, it used to be in sort of a religious worship, like goddess worship sort of way, but now it's like a, it's like a Cronenberg, like Videodrome kind of thing. Um, 
is the fact is like the horror and the pleasure of never being able to know, never being able to touch mm-hmm. uh, beyond the screen. And so you have to fully embrace the screen, um, which is why I think I like playing up a lot of like vintage aesthetics and a lot of uh, classic feminine archetypes, especially as a genderqueer person, is being able to explore the performance of femininity and it's all performance, you know? Um, And I think immediately from the get-go when I discovered Fendom, I was so shocked by the way that women were allowed to speak to men and about men in the space, you know, as someone who, um, yeah, I think socially people saw me as very timid and naive and submissive, you know, just by being the person that I am. Um, And so by default, I slipped into that role and by exploring and twisting, I think, people's perception of me and feminine archetypes and exploring that, was I able to understand myself and my gender identity better, as well as really understand how I was being perceived and how I could have better control over that, not only as you know, a queer person, but just as a a person who happens to look the way that I do, or like any person, you know, have a better idea of first impressions people have of me. Um, I used to be really shocked about that because they would go either way, you know, like the projections that people put onto an image of a woman has always been really interesting. And themes like that is something that I play up in my work and something I really enjoy playing up in my work. Um, as uh, as a writer and as a photographer as well, self portrait artist rather. Um, um, yeah, it's it's just enjoyable. It's just it's what gets me off. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it like as a gender queer person, kind of dealing with this kind of I guess one could call it like a kind of a hyper feminine space? Like, yeah. Um, so, so what what is that like? Like, what is kind of your experience? How how do you approach this? Um, I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting because especially over the last year, more and more doms around me have subtly started putting in their pronouns and their bios and coming out as not just, you know, bisexual or pansexual, but as genderqueer people. And originally for me, I'm someone who constantly is putting my pronouns in my bio and taking them out again. Like, I don't know if it's relevant. Um, When I'm in this space, I I feel like being able to inhabit Heather, she is a very hyper-feminine person. Um, And that's been something, I think stepping into those shoes has really helped me become comfortable with that presentation. I am a very hyper-feminine person. I'm not all the time, but a lot of the times I am. And it's exploring and twisting that presentation that I really enjoy and I find quite pleasurable. Um, But it's also, but yeah, I think it's difficult because I didn't always think that it's highly relevant due to the fact that our audience, you know, subs and men who are just following us because they want to look at our lewds or whatever or read our posts or whatever like they don't care like you know or they might even get like angry or confused because they're like but boobies what do you mean (laughs) you know 
boobies. I loved your boobies until you put they them in your bio. Now I'm, <laughs> I have to unfollow, you know, I have to turn rebuild off. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, it can be frustrating. And I think for, I think for some queer doms that I know it, they have to take a lot of breaks because being a queer feminine presenting person without being a sex worker who's like super alternative like dyed hair shaved head tattoos and stuff that kind of typecast it means that it's harder to box you as a performer and as a content creator and I think sometimes that can cause a lot of confusion within the audience and unfortunately I think that means that a lot of performers have to sort of stay in the closet to their audience as you will um but for me I find it for me it's really helped me me it's really Heather's really helped me come into myself and feel a certain sort of comfortability and certainly the space that Findom has provided for me in order to um yeah just explore who I am as well as who I could be stepping into shoes of you know, someone who's a little meaner or someone who's a bit more aloof and, and mysterious um, has really helped me become quite a confident, um, strong-willed person. So um, I've noticed with kind of a lot of the way that you analyze the scene and kind of some of your passions that you've talked about on, on your Twitter account, um, you tend to connect a lot of things to kind of like a film studies background, you know, kind of seeing you know, the sex work and, and the Twitter personas as, or, or the people behind them rather, as the performers in kind of this play or movie. And you also like have even written and shared uh, some film reviews on your Twitter account. So yeah. what is it about one film studies that just has you kind of so passionate and why do you connect that so intricately with financial domination? Well, I'm someone who, even without the whole Findom thing, I'm just someone who enjoys film and I'm someone who enjoys watching films a lot and um, it turns out that just accidentally over the years by being someone who is very open about what I'm into culturally about like my music and podcasts that I listen to and books that I'm reading etc I've like formed a small but very eager audience that does overlap with my subs or doms that are friends with me who are very eager to hear my opinions as well as what I take inspiration from just sort of accidentally as someone who's you know constantly watching you know giallo films and, and whatever um and so having my twitter and recently opening my fan house just to post movie screenshots and and post watch lists that I'm working on and stuff like that has been really helpful to try and better narrow down my aesthetic inspirations. Um, Cause I think, and I think the glitz and glamor of film for me translates really well into Findom where, a, a, you know, in kink speak, it's you're in a scene, you know, a session is a scene. And, and within that scene, you have certain rules and certain fetishes or certain safe words, you know, and within that scene, with the consent of you know all parties you can act you can um share and portray yourself in a slightly different light not necessarily a different person but 
perhaps pulling from different um, cultural references or different um, archetypes that I think um, my subs find interesting because that sense of fantasy, not just in like sexual fantasy, but like literal fantasy, the fact that I really enjoy playing the archetype of like the femme fatale and stuff like that um, pulls on their glitz and glamour fantasies of what as well as you know uh, when they watch a movie and they see an impossibly beautiful woman at the bar and she's in like the certain dress or whatever and I think pulling the fantasies of Hollywood into into a fetish where they'll never meet me and I think, I think even that, even the fact that I have a really strong rule about not meeting any subs or at least any subs that I seriously like, <laughs> any subs that I would like to keep around for a long time, I yeah. don't let me in person. Because I think that the very, the very fact that I am, you know, only communicating with you through a screen from the other side of the world, exudes my presence with a certain je ne sais quoi that I think would be broken if you were to meet me and it's not and it's the same with you know when I'm talking to a sub and without my without my asking he like sends me a photo of his face there's a part of his there's a part of my idea of the sub that is broken just by seeing what they look like just by uh, by putting a face to it and putting a, a a certain you know presence to it I think it sort of breaks the idea that this is like an, an unattainable fake fantasy thing it, it like makes it too real like there's a there's a really interesting like unreality to talking to someone online especially like behind a screen name you know like no information whatsoever completely disembodied voice and I think for me and for Dom's the fact that there is a body attached to the voice the fact that there is you know a face attached to the voice the fact that it's like a feminine presenting voice and body imbues that presence with a certain cultural um, archetype of like the unattainable manic pixie femme fatale blah 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 in a very like in a patriarchal society I think the very the, the fact that like she's over there and she is so powerful and I'm so sexually attracted to her and wow she has so much agency if you were to bump into her on the street you're just like oh she's like a 5'2 brunette she's pretty but she's right over there and I could talk to her, you know, and I could go up to her and I could do all this. And I think the fact that um, just purely being online, I think with a lot of subs that really understand um, my works, my written works and my, you know, kind of my philosophical quandary, agree that they would never, you know, that they would never want to meet me. They, would, they understand that there is no point unless we were to end the ds dynamic that we have and agree to like be friends who go out for coffee you know i think with other doms and i do really i do really admire doms who are able to maintain that 
fantasy while in person, you know, doing real-time sessions and stuff. And I just don't think that for me in the way that I've set up Heather and the way that I enjoy the fetish, the way that I enjoy and find and find erotic in the fetish, I don't think could translate to me standing in front of the sub. I don't think it works like that. Um, I think the fact that, and I think even the fact that a sub could message me behind a screen name, send me like a ridiculous amount of money that he can't afford and then go like, okay, thank you. And then completely delete his account. And then perhaps he could come back with another screen name. But again, I would have no idea knowing that it's him. It's like that voyeuristic sort of unattainability, like this like completely untouchable thing about being a sexual feminine presence online um, that I think with the way that with the way that my neurotic brain works working in this fetish has really latched onto and really seeks again and again and again um and I think a lot it's funny because I think a lot of my subs um have constantly told me over and over again that other doms just don't quite like the the way they see the, the fetish the way that they interact with the fetish hasn't really aligned with how they feel about it, the fact that they do like the coldness of the screen and no, they don't want to secretly fuck their dom and, and all of this stuff that I think a lot of doms find really like impossible, you know? And I think a lot of my friends in real life as well is just like, well, these guys secretly want to fuck you. Like these guys are in love with you. They want to like marry you. And I'm like, no, that's completely not it. Cause it would, it, it completely doesn't line up with the rest of the fantasy. And and men and sexual brains are so particular about sexual fantasies. Like it's, it's like um, I have men who have approached me and have asked me, you know, oh, are you like 19? And I'm like, no, I'm 20. And he's like, oh, that's not <laughs> exactly what I'm looking for, you know, or, or, or the amount of clients that I lost after I stopped cutting my hair in like a super short bob was astounding again wow. and my hair's not even that long it's not even like a dramatic difference to us but to you know a, a, a fetishist yes it is it is a very important point you know um and I so I think for me the fact that I have really pinpointed exactly what it is about the scene and what it is exactly about these DS dynamics that I really enjoy is really helpful to me and to the sub in eliminating, um, like I do not get bombarded by DMs every day. Like I feel like a lot of my peers do get like 50 or like, you know, 20, 50 DMs a day. Um, I no longer get time wasters. Like there's, it's been years since I've had a sub fuck me around or wave money in front of me because it's it doesn't it's just by by making my practice first and foremost following my gut instinct and by constantly stopping and asking like well is this is this erotic to me like to me is this erotic to me and if it's a straight no if a guy like saying like oh on Friday I'll have like five grand for you I'm like this isn't hot to me right now so I'm gonna leave you know <laughs> um and it's good because it means that pretty much every sub that approaches me these days 
is a sub that I I really connect with and I feel like I can really understand on a level. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is I worry that a lot of my fellow peers are in fact not perverts. And sometimes it shocks me because I understand that I am like a neurotic pervert. <laughs> what is what is it that you look for in a sub? Is it kind of that similar neuroticism as you kind of describe it? Like, wh- what do you kind of look for for someone who wants to sub to you? Um, well, I like a sub who can speak my language. Um, I used to answer DMs in a much more aloof and I used to speak in riddles and sometimes I still do speak in riddles like I do not ask anything I do not instruct anything outright I can't constantly almost exclusively talking like rhetorical questions you know and it's all of this wishy-washy puzzling kind of thing sometimes subs don't get it at all and I will straight up go okay I don't think that we're a great fit I would still like to session with you if you would like but and you can be like a session sub and that can be like a once a month kind of thing or whatever but in terms of like a long-term relationship building thing I just don't think that we're clicking um and the reason why I know that that's really important to me is because when a sub does get it it's amazing like it's like how like it's just so fascinating because sometimes I don't even understand what the fuck I'm talking about and so when I'm just typing stuff in and a sub is like you know completely gets it does what I want him to do without the fact that I obviously you know I haven't told him what I want him to do because I think to me um simply obeying isn't enough you need to like intuit me like you need to do your research and like watch my clips and read my posts and sort of understand where I'm at in this emotionally and what I expect from other subs and stuff like that. And it's doing this research and putting the work in and then being able to open yourself up and be vulnerable enough that you can allow yourself to do more than what I'm asking, which I think is an important thing. And I think a lot of doms doms expect from their subs, but are unable to perhaps like articulate it in a way that lets the sub know like when I tell you to send $50 I really want you to send me $100 and like a wink you know (laughs) um and um um but yeah no it's it's definitely being able to speak my language and really be able to deeply empathize with like like the fetishes that I partake in aren't accidental you know, they're fetishes that I really, really enjoy, especially with my recent venture in like loser porn and censorship porn. Um, Could you kind of talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I recently started, well, a couple months ago, I started an OnlyFans that is just censorship porn and loser porn. And it's like, it's like lewds that have been like pixelated out and like black barred and stuff like that. And this is like an ongoing theme that I've explored in the past. And I really hesitated making a whole new platform just to explore that. But I thought it was really important because, again, it would be contradictory for me to explore the ideas of 
censorship porn and ideas of like you don't even deserve to look at lewds you know like you can only see like this part of my body that I've left unpixelated stuff like that on for example my AVN where the next post will be a lewd and the next post will be stuff like that like it's contradictory you know yeah and um in past when I've because it is one of my favorite fetishes because it's so fascinating to me the bounds of what porn can be and and pushing that and I think in general um Findom explores that idea a lot of what can you derive sexual pleasure from you know like you have doms who for every you know every time a sub sends ten dollars they'll send a photo or something and then you have other doms where they don't send anything ever and the idea is like no, I'm here, I'm pretty, I'm hot, I'm superior, I exist. And for what we call like a real fin sub, the pleasure would just be sending to that idea of a person, like knowing that that ideal exists and worshiping it from afar and not even needing like a text back or stuff like that. Like that's an extreme, but for a lot of doms, that is like the dream because that is a real fin sub and not what you would call like a fetishist, for example. Um, um, yeah, but but I decided to do it because it is a fetish that I genuinely really enjoy exploring. And those ideas I think are really worth, um, I just really wanted to be able to interact with more subs who understood where it was coming from with my interest in, in this fetish. And so I've, I, made it on a whim and I put it out and immediately it was like my top seller for I think still for the next like three months is I didn't get a whole lot of subs but every single sub that subscribed I I was I was doing this like whole like meta thing where um when you subscribed there was like a beta vision chip in like their brain that would activate and then I would message them after they've subscribed and go like you know blah blah hello um your beta vision chip has now been activated would you like to send ten dollars to begin the calibration process and it was all very mechanical and it was all very clinical and I was having them refer to me as like administrator or administrator Heather and the idea was it was basically like yeah a cold clinical sort of like lab testy kind of thing um and every single, pretty much every single um, person who subscribed got it, was totally into it. Um, and it gave me this like new opportunity to interact with subs, perhaps subs that have already subscribed to my other account, but in this new context, working in a new scene with new rules, the rule being and the fantasy being like there is something within them that is outside of their control this chip that has now been activated and is something they have no control over and that's I think a ongoing theme with a lot of Findom is like they have this like overwhelming urge to participate and to spend and it's something that they like have no agency over and it's the idea that they are out of control and you know they are merely like almost like they're not only submissive to the dom they are submissive to themselves like they have no control over their bodies over their minds over their life in a broader sense and the only thing that they can control is whether or not they send 
you know, and in this beta vision thing, I was merely just putting an idea to that theme is like, well, it's not just you. It's like this like imaginary microchip that I've planted in your brain. I had a sub the other month who messaged me on, on Twitter and said like, oh, I think the nurse who administered my COVID vaccine snuck the chip in. Uh-oh. You know? <laughs> and I was like, damn, is this anti-vax propaganda? Like, what is this? <laughs> anyway, as if anything, it's pro-vax propaganda, but. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> no it was really interesting and it's something that I really enjoy exploring is yeah again pushing the bounds of what can be seen as erotic what can be considered porn as well and I had this like inside joke because recently it came out that OnlyFans might be moving away from explicitly um, sexually explicit content to the surprise of no sex workers (laughs) Um, and I was like oh well I think my OnlyFans will still be safe. <laughs> I don't have like a single titty up there, yeah. like everything pixelated, you know. Um, but no, it's it's so interesting. It's it's like exploring levels of depravity, you know. It like makes it makes the man looking at like a photo of like half my titty and like being like, oh my god, that's so sexy, look like completely vanilla, you know. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, I'm really fascinated by that. So what are some of the other like fetishes and kinks that you enjoy and, and really like engaging with, with your subs? Um, hmm. Well, I think I've, for the last couple of, I think for the last year, I've been so lost in this sort of uh, metaverse of censorship and, and lose the point that it's actually been a while since I've just engaged in like a normal body worship session or um or like foot worship session which I used to partake in a lot um because I have beautiful feet but um um I really do enjoy goddess worship and within that religious worship as well that used to be a much larger theme in um in just in Heather's presence is the fact this whole like deity worship idea um and the subs there as well who really enjoy partaking in that fetish I find really fascinating because it's like big emphasis on blasphemy obviously and other stuff that I don't think talking to vanilla people is sort of confusing because to them they're two very separate things but it's actually the fact that they're two very separate things and combining them is what makes it so like taboo and wrong and hence erotic and and you know um what else I don't know really I think it's I think these days I'm just doing like a general goddess worship and then whatever my flavor of the week is I really enjoy armpit worship as well um but it's again things that are um what I would consider like a beta zone or something like I don't really enjoy doing ass worship or tit worship I think I'm used to a couple of years ago but as I you know developed an acute taste for depravity and exploring again like the bounds of arousal within these strangers across the internet and trying to like cop a feel for where they're at like it's always interesting when I send a photo of like 
you know, my ass or something. And they're just like, oh, that's totally not what I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, cool, man. Like, nice. What are you into? And he's like, I don't know, like your left foot, like something really specific, you know, like, you know, that mole you have on your neck. Could you enhance that? <laughs> you know? Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's like the things that come really out of left field, um, and might be seen as like weirder or stranger. It's always really funny when um, other doms that are adjacent to me or, you know, are mutuals with me sort of kink shame in the dom group chat because they don't, I think there's, there was a dom who was really confused by scat or something, but mm-hmm. who probably takes in like uh, waterboarding and stuff. And I was like, babe, like, <laughs> <laughs> babe, come on. Oh my like, gosh. It's like, you know, it's like one thing that you're not into it, like, you know, cool, me neither. But like, to be confused. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know about that. Like kind of a weird double standard there. Yeah, like such a weird double standard. And it's even stranger because, you know, the double standard that... that vanilla OnlyFans girls have as well. It's it's always really interesting to gauge, even just within doms and sex workers, like what is not weird and what is weird for them. Um, and I think it's exploring that. Um, it's just such like a, it's just such a made up dichotomy, you know, like what is a, for, within each person, like what is something that is completely normal and like, oh yeah, of course there are people who are into that. And what makes them go like, what the fuck? Like that's so <laughs> You're a pervert, you know? <laughs> it's like, look around you. Yeah. So how is it that you balance your vanilla life with your kinky life as goddess Heather? Like, Do you find like, even, you know, if you're comfortable sharing this, like sexually speaking, you know, you're kind of on this, you know, path with kind of censored porn and and all of that. Does that kind of affect your real life relationships or anything like that? Um, No, I don't really think so. Cause I'm actually quite a, a sexual person. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And I, in my personal life, I, I mean, my, my partner knows, and I've been with my partner for a very long time, and I've been doing this work for pretty much the entire duration of the time we fucking live together, and all of my friends know what I do, and I'm very open about what I do, because I think it's a great, (laughs) it's a great conversation starter, Um, and girls love it, hot girls love hearing about my work at parties, which is always a plus for me, Um, but I think, no, I think it's, it's, I think my work um, intertwines with my 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 vanilla life. <laughs> I, I don't like using that term, but I guess that is the term um, mm-hmm. very well because I am a queer person and I am a very sex repulsed person. Um, and so I've actually found myself in a line of work where um, being able to explore basically like around sex you know is like because I don't do anything that's like I don't post any nudes I don't do any hardcore porn I you know so all of the stuff I do would probably be considered fluff like if you were just to take all of my photos all of my twitter media I would just be like I don't know, like a self-portrait influencer or something. Like there's, yeah, like, like you know, a Playboy, like like something like yeah, that. Yeah, like that kind of thing, you know, like a smutty photographer or something. Um, 
but I think the fact that yeah and I think you know obviously my sexual preferences really lend itself to my absolute fascination with exploring these like weirder or more obscure fetishes is is that sexual like normative sexual attraction has never really appealed to me and and I think it's so interesting the way that vanilla people react to stranger fetishes because to me they're sort of like very similar (laughs) I mean they're like sort of very similar it's like a girl you know sitting next to me at the bar will like turn her nose up at the idea of like a foot fetish and then point to a guy across the bar and go like oh my god isn't he so hot and I look at him and I'm like I really don't think so (laughs) you've seen like more attractive feet than that guy (laughs) oh definitely I've been attracted to more feet than I have been to men I will you can put that on the record (laughs) on the record don't need to cut that one out (laughs) don't cut that out (laughs) um yeah so it's just it's really just fun and games and I'm really glad because I think for a lot of other doms this work does definitely clash up against their personal morals and you know the values of their partners and of their family and of their friends um and I really I've managed to create an atmosphere and a support system for myself that even you know I couldn't be super explicit about perhaps because it's just not appropriate but um I'm very open with and I can joke about it and talk about it very freely and celebrate my work with very freely and openly um the only thing is like all of my friends want me to go on their podcasts and I'm like no I'm not talking I'm not talking to you on the record for like two hours because I know you don't know anything about my work and you're gonna ask me stupid questions yeah (laughs) um that's got to be like a top 10 fear for many people like nowadays like you know generation z slash kind of the younger millennials is oh yeah you should come on my podcast (laughs) i know i i okay so at parties i will tell every girl in my vicinity what i do i hesitate to tell men especially men like flannels because i'm like you have a podcast and i'm not gonna (laughs) let you content mine even if i don't go on like if your next podcast episode is dude i was at a party I was at a party last weekend. <laughs> I was at a party last weekend and I met this chick, man. Yeah, she said she was like a dominatrix. Do you know what that is? Like, what do you mean? How can you be a dominatrix online? Like, how can you whip someone through the screen, my guy? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that shit. I'm not going to let you content, content mine my presence at some party. Like, awful, awful no I've had a guy like chase me around a party with his oh like gosh. phone like on voice record like what <laughs> yeah it was just like just tell me something about your uh, just tell me more about your work and I'm like I do not like you oh my gosh <laughs> that's astounding I'll be honest here yeah, people's look people's work and sex lives are very boring <laughs> Um, and I think that's what people find so interesting about my work, especially if they're just vanilla people, if they just work in, you know, if they're just a, a, a bartender or something is like that is like, where does your personal sex life end and your work sex life start? You know, I think that's a big question that civilians have for sex workers. And I think for sex workers, it's sort of like a, a, 
uh, tell that you don't know anything about the work and you probably don't have a very close person next to you who's a sex worker is the fact that like well they sort of like meld together you know like where does your work life end where does your personal life start it's like the two influence each other and bounce back so kind of with that kind of sex work and your real or not like real life but your kind of vanilla life you know yeah. it for you it's kind of more mixed than it is separated uh yeah. do you maintain like a like a standard you know vanilla job or is sex work your primary means of income this has been my full time for four years all four years all four years yeah wow. it was it was a bit of a struggle at the start because I wasn't I wasn't like making a stable enough income and I was like but I was like I was just bumming it out four <laughs> years ago I was like I was a huge stoner and I was still partying and couch surfing was still a viable option for the way that I lived and I loved it but um currently yeah this is my full time and I finally um gotten to a place where it's very stable for me and and enough where I can like take days off and there's stuff like that and I think it's interesting because um I think there are a lot of doms who are really who are my age roundabouts and are very shocked to hear that I've been doing this for like four more years than they have been or three more years than they have been because they're just like wow but you're so young I'm like yeah I am so young and I've been doing this for four years um uh, yeah, it's the fact that they've only been doing it for like maybe one or two. Um, and the fact that they normally have a lot more followers and perhaps even making more money than I am. And it's because I am so stubborn and neurotic and I refuse to compromise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I think it works for me. But uh, also for the last year, I've actually um, been working as a social media manager for other dominatrixes. I work for a dom in New York quite a well-known dom um and I yeah like we zoom call and I I help her with her Twitter and stuff like that and recently I've also worked with a dom in the UK who um really needed help organizing her like cloud of content and she has ADHD so it was all really like getting away from her and I just came in and like helped her structure it up a little bit more um and yeah so that's sort of what I've been doing on the side for the last year but sort of accidentally like the dom in New York sort of just like saw my Twitter and was like you know what you're doing I want you hmm. <laughs> I sent me an email and and all of that so it was very interesting um so I sort of just like fell into it um but yeah so but this is yeah my full time yeah so um kind of jumping back into kind of more of the the kink slash fetish conversation um you, you really focus on like a couple of these and right now you're really on a big kind of censorship kick and, and all of that. I, I just kind of want to know what are some of your limits? Like where, what are the kind of scenes or the actions or just the kind of kinks that you don't want to play into? Um, okay. So first off the bat, I don't do blackmail. I don't do blackmail. I think there is a couple of reasons why. So blackmail and debt normally go, hand in hand in the scene and the reason why I don't really groove with them is not just like like a moral sense but it's also because I think a lot of men use the vague idea of blackmail or debt to scam a lot of time away from especially new doms who don't really know 
what they're doing or how to get you know the right information or make sure they're going to get their money and stuff like that um you know just by saying like here's my personal Facebook here's a photo of my ID this is my wife's phone number blah 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 like um I want to give you five thousand dollars can you like harass and ruin my life so I can give it to you and it's this like this idea of like me needing to like step on your neck in order to do it is something that one really doesn't do anything for me erotically I know a lot of doms do like playing that game of cat and mouse and they do really like that sense of you know chasing after them but for me it makes me feel like I'm a debt collector it makes me feel like a loan shark I don't like it It doesn't do anything for me erotically so it's a big no-no because it really like frustrates and annoys me because for me it's like pathetic not in a in a kinky sexy way it's just like you're a man of no means (laughs) you have like no um you have no conviction like what is this weird one foot in the door you know uh thing it's like you're not you're giving me nothing my guy and a lot of them as well and a surefire way to tell is they never send an initial tribute they never send like a deposit or something to show that they're good for it it's always just like a a vague screenshot of a bank account and they're just like this is what I have look I have money here's my address and I'm like what the fuck do you want me to do with this like do I not have like am I not a person do I not have things and places to be (laughs) um but I also yeah but I also think it's just um And with the debt contract as well as the same sort of deal is like, it's not like, this is where the idea of anonymity that I brought up before really comes to break down this like fantasy idea is like, even if we do like say like a retweet game, which is what they normally do to like work up a number that they owe the Dom, um, you can just delete and change your username and sure, um and and then it's like the dom it's just the idea that the dom is not really in control and the dom isn't really in control in in scenes like that especially from predatory men who know that if they target a dom who's just started or a dom who doesn't look like she's living very well you know like she's very well off being able to dangle like five grand or even more like a life-changing amount of money and you know it would be a life-changing amount of money in front of this young girl and then to completely leave and get her hopes up and all of that it's 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 emotionally quite traumatic and I think it's a lot of it's something that a lot of doms don't talk about is traumatic events that happen especially when you start off and you don't know who's trying to waste your time and who is genuinely trying to engage in kink with you but maybe just doesn't know the adequate you know um wording or how to you know play in a safe way and you never know how to differentiate the two Um, and you can only unfortunately you can only really learn by going through it in a lot of cases because doms you know because sex workers are so like um atomized you know like especially like when I started I had no idea there was a community so big because I started on Tumblr and Tumblr is nothing like Twitter Tumblr like a lot of the times when I would come online to 
post and, and talk my shit, it was just me. I was only ever looking at my page and checking messages and then I would be gone. And now on Twitter, it's such a, it's such, it's such a loud cafeteria. Like that's what it's like, you know, compared to Tumblr where you have like a little study room that you've booked out. Like Twitter is like a huge cafeteria and I know so many doms and I still don't even know like a tiny fraction of the community because it's such a huge booming sort of mini economy. Um, yeah. And, and it's just, um, it's just a way to get lost. And I think, I think um, with the popularity of the fetish, it's also meant that a lot of men know about it. And, you know, more and more men are finding out either via memes, like I said earlier, or just via Reddit as well. I'm seeing a lot of, at least last year, I heard of a lot of screenshots of content from my dumb friends being posted on incel forums and on you know, men going their own way forums, um, which is so interesting because a lot of, sometimes I do get subs who to me seem like they need to be pulled out of the pipeline. And sometimes I do feel like I am the last stop before they fall into the pipeline for good, you know, and it is very scary. And I think, again, that's another thing that doms don't really talk about is like, the the fact that we're doing this sort of work in a time where um incels are like at their peak um but that being said I do also have a lot of subs who are recovered incels who like were lost and completely you know felt horribly towards women and then through exploring this fetish and getting to know their dom they're like wow you're like a person like you're really really hot but like you're also a person (laughs) you're not just you're not just some femoid yeah you're not just some femoid or like wow you're a femoid but that's cool and I like you (laughs) (laughs) um but like what's so wrong with being a femoid you know come on fellas um um but yeah um what was the question what was i saying where are we going uh let's see the question what oh gosh what was the question oh we were doing it was like what fetishes i don't yeah it was like about the limits and then it kind of blackmail we're talking about dad in general i'm very suspicious and i i really refuse to engage in um any fetishes that are proposed to me that i recognize as like a power play you know, like a fetish that would make it really easy for them to like uh, top from the bottom, you know, um, and just any any subs that to me, it's really obvious that being a submissive to them is uh, is like a fantasy and they're actually really unwilling to engage in any risk taking or to engage in yeah, to engage in any sense of real vulnerability that would mean that the Dom would have the upper hand, which is to say that the Dom would be in control. She would be the Dom, you know? Um, And I think for me, that's always seemed to come from older men, from men in like their 40s or their 50s, who, um, yeah, like they're at a point in their life where perhaps like the marriage isn't great and this is like an escape for them. But the escape is it's a few it's just a facade like it's not a real thing and normally I think with a lot of dumps they would just play along with that 
But for me, it gets really, really frustrating because just pretending like the elephant in the room isn't there is is really frustrating to me because I do want to engage in the power play. I do want to have the upper hand. I do want to feel that moment where you tip over and you realize that I'm in control now. You know, and I don't think that, and I think that does take effort. I think there is like a moment in the dynamic where that happens, even if it's pre-established that I'm a dom and you're a sub. That doesn't mean that I'm your dom and that doesn't mean that you're my sub. Like that doesn't mean that we've like established a connection and we've had the dynamic switch where it was really asserted and proven that that's how the dynamic is. And I think a lot of doms, I don't know, I'd probably make a lot more money (laughs) if I could tolerate it. But it really like, it just really gets me and it really, really frustrates me because you're just pretending. And I understand that for some people, that's only what they need. And it would be dangerous for them to tip over into something that's too real. But I think for a lot of subs, they don't believe that it can be anything more than just play pretend. And I want to tell, I want to show them like, no, this is a real thing. Like when people, when subs talk about how they had their lives changed or they had the, you know, their dom said something or did something that made them reevaluate the way that they interact with themselves and the world and the women around them. They're not just like waxing poetic. They're not just like virtue signaling, you know, they're not just pretending like that isn't part of the fantasy, you know, like that is a real thing that can be experienced. And I think with a lot of subs, especially older subs, they've grown sort of like uh, maybe like jaded or set in their ways of how they want to perceive women or perhaps how they can perceive women. Um, that I just like just shits me. So I'm like, no, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to crack your ego a little bit. I'm gonna have to dig a bit further and you know, make you break a little bit. And it's always really satisfying. Um, yeah, it's always really satisfying. Uh it's normally when they cry. And I love that because like make to make a, a grown man cry just with your words, no face cam, no voice messages, just sending texts is something so intimate and personal and real and it's something that like you just don't forget is is confronting confronting a grown man with the way that he has been made to see women and the way that he has forced himself to see himself in juxtaposition to those women that's prevented him from feeling the full width of his emotions and really understanding himself in a deep enough level as to empathize with with me with people around him with the people that he loves you know and letting him know like this is okay to do like you're in a safe space I know what I'm doing you can turn over and feel those things and explore that feeling and then we can walk away from it like you don't have to stay here you just need to know that that's something that can be real and something that can be yours and it's achievable. Um, But it's not something that happens a lot because I actually find that a lot of my clientele are very young, which is something that surprises people. Um, I think a lot of my subs are under 30. Most of them are in their 20s. And I think it's because I do post you know, a lot of my cultural hallmarks, a lot of the movies that I'm into, the books that I read, the podcasts and and memes and such means that my subs are actually all pretty young, Um, which I think is um, 
quite a novelty amongst dogs. Uh, let's see. Do you have any like any kinds of like safety concerns, you know, doxing, you know, anything like that, um, being an online sex worker? Oh, it's interesting. Well, um, I've never been doxed. I have felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's, I have this constant thing, right? I don't get hate crimes nearly as much as I think other people, other Asian sex workers get hate crimes. And I don't really know what that is. I think it must be, I I don't know. It must be because I have like a particularly like culturally in tune, thus whitewashed brand or something or, or that uh, maybe like latent racists in the audience just don't like perceive this face as being something that they would like call a slur but I have like a lot of my Asian peers get called slurs all the time and get hate crimed all the time and get threats and stuff all the time and I really don't and I don't really understand what that is and I think it must just be um, the associations with things that I present to the audience is is the way that my brand is that people really don't see my my um you know my otherness at the forefront I really can't I really can't understand it I really can't understand it but I think I I try not to be very provocative with an a reactionary audience I don't think I think it's happened a couple of times just by people who are looking to target fandoms usually I found usually subs in denial and normally subs who have led themselves down like a really um, precarious and oh yeah a very precarious fetish within femdom or findom that's led them to be very resentful of themselves and thus very resentful of enablers who you know dom sex workers in general perhaps um, who do look in the findom hashtag for doms who you know are just freely posting in their space using language that's allowed in the space and then taking it out of context and being like look look like it's fucked up like they don't deserve rights like stuff like that but um I don't take it personally (laughs) (laughs) hey you know if it's not me it's someone else and I'm happy to cop it (laughs) (laughs) so I kind of want to get your opinion on this because I think uh, I, I'm very interested on your take. I haven't really brought it up on previous episodes of the podcast, but there are catfish doms out there, generally men, though I have noticed a lot of uh, queer people, I also women. Love catfish doms. Go on. I love catfish Tell me some doms. more. Again, is like playing on this idea of what can be, what can be porn and then pushing on that idea of, like I said earlier, that disembodied voice over the internet and assigning a female image and then allowing the male, the horny male audience to simply project onto that image and allow themselves to engage in the fantasy. And I have this, um, no, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I've a couple of times considered doing, making a catfish account that's kind of weird, like like um, pushing it further to be like a catfish account that are my photos of me, but like Photoshop to look like a completely different person, not to look like a sexier, more conventionally attractive version of me, but just morph to look like someone who's not (laughs) me. 
and you know so it's like this catfish of like is it catfish because it is a real person and that person is me but it's not me like it's it's pushing on levels of that like that that idea of you know meta and the layers to the fantasy and I think a lot of doms sort of misunderstand the fantasy as like oh there's a man behind like running the accounts like yeah I sure hope there is you know like (laughs) and it's this denial of um yeah again it's this like denial and thinly veiled like homosexuality as well is like is there a man you know, from the counter, is it like a really sexy woman? Like, let's see behind, you know, let's see what's behind door number two. Um, it's just so fascinating to me. I love it. I'm all for catfish doms and I hope they just doing that, keep doing their thing. I'm really into, um, my favorites are like weird, esoteric, like hyper bimbified catfishes, like okay. catfishes <laughs> using photos of models who have had like huge boob jobs, like cartoon, like Jessica Rabbit sort of proportion mm-hmm. um because again it's just like pushing that idea of like you know this isn't real <laughs> like you know this isn't real like in any sense of the word this is not real um but it's engaging in that idea of being like ripped off which is another fetish that I really enjoy and um allowing yourself to feel that added amount of like shame and humiliation like that's that's the sort of subs that go for catfish doms is, is people who want to pinpoint that feeling of shame and embarrassment and humiliation, you know, is like sending to a hot woman across the internet isn't enough. I need to be scammed out of my money. I need to be scammed by another man out of my money pretending to be a woman, you know, <laughs> it's like levels to such an elaborate fetish that I love. I just love, I'm so fascinated hearing people and their like super elaborate fantasies. Like it needs to be exactly 21 degrees. It needs to be like not a cloud in the sky. You know, it needs to be a man in his forties pretending to be a woman in Arizona asking me for $25, you know, like, I love that. Like, how can you not, how can you not hear that? And like, go like, fuck yeah. You know? like- <laughs> <laughs> and then what do you think about like the, the, the the catfishes that don't just use like you know pictures of you know sexy models or whatever but use like anime characters i love such. Man, i love <laughs> who's it harming harming no one it's good for the economy <laughs> it's, it's good for all the weaves and the weaves need to be taken care of because they're going to fall down the incel pipeline you know i love it a lot of them transfers onto me as well because i'm an asian woman and they're just like hey you're like exactly like this catfish on that i've been paying i'm like fuck yeah i am <laughs> Oh, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's like we've finally been able to give all of the fellas who just want to hang out with their waifu and just want to talk to their waifu. <laughs> like, there's finally there's a market. There has always been a gap in the market for that, and now the gap has been filled. And it's with these like anime catfish dumps, and I really think that that's a beautiful thing. And I I'm proud of the catfish anime community. There we go. Yeah, that's my final statement. Perfect. <laughs> Put you on that, put you down on the on the I'm magazine. I'm so glad cover. you asked me this question. I'm so glad that like you've obviously been wanting to ask this question and you're like, huh. Yeah, I was like, you know what? She's gonna have like the most nuanced take. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Uh so I think I, I've got most of what I uh have got down, you know, kind of covered. Is, is there anything that you would like to cover? Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. Is there any just like off the bat 
questions that you have like specifically any yeah i mean i'd say you know one of them you know let's say hypothetically someone who is interested in getting into the scene is listening to this episode of the podcast um what would you say to them what's kind of your advice for them whether it's a person wanting to get into fin doming or someone who's wanting to get into perhaps fin subbing you know what's kind of your advice um i would say i would for anyone i would just give the standard advice of like like make an account or like don't even make an account just just like be in a corner of the scene and like keep an eye on you know on doms that you really like and get an idea of as well as like the scope of what kind of doms are out there because there's so many and have an idea of what it is that really intrigues you as a dom maybe inspires you as a creator and what it is that really captivates you about the fetish you know even if you're just even if you're just like a young man who is like what the fuck's happening over on this side you know like what the fuck's this all about even just like do a couple weeks of research um to understand like the nuances of other people's experiences in the scene and what about it really makes them stay is really important um i i yeah i pretty much like followed a bunch of doms and and kept up with their posts for a couple of weeks before i started doming and i think even that minute amount of research and understanding of personal experience really helped me yeah really helped me empathize with what a sub might be able might be seeing and what a sub might be interpreting my posts to be and and how people perceive me firsthand like something that is out of out of my control is important for me to understand at the very least you know is is when I go on a dom's um page for the first time what what projections do I make about her just from seeing her profile picture, her banner, reading her bio and her twin, her pin tweet, you know, like what assumptions do I make about her? And then is she able to play off of those assumptions? Does she have a good understanding of how to either work that in her favor or maybe like pull it back, you know? Um, yeah, overall, I think that's really important. And it's important for subs as well, too, because I think men are brought up with less of an understanding of how to present themselves and how they are seen by others, um, especially if, you know, you're a sub who have has discovered yourself in this scene because you have had bad luck with women or you figured out that you don't know how to talk to women like being in this scene and relearning how to present yourself and how to like um, send a first message, how to approach a dom, how to talk, and then and then just making casual conversation. Like that's really, um, I think, important uh, education. All right, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me tonight. Um, I apologize if uh, at any time, as you listeners were <laughs> tuned in and you heard fireworks or something in the background. It's currently July fourth. Uh, now uh, we hit past midnight. Uh, so I live in America, so we got fireworks. Up Happy America Day. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. You've been listening to Tribute First. If you like what you heard, go ahead and rate this podcast five stars or give it a like. Follow the show on Twitter at Tribute First Pod. And remember, if you choose to approach any Dom interviewed on the program, be sure to Tribute First. <laughs>